Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. I'll now be reading from uh, 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Uh, If you're reading along the Church Bibles, it's on page 923. It'll also be behind me on the screen. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the Church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be His holy people, together with those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you, because His grace given you in Jesus Christ. For in Him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name's Ross. It is great to be here this morning. It's great to be starting off a new series, start of a new year, kids back at school, growth groups are starting, and we're looking at the book of 1 Corinthians. It's a letter, and we're just kicking it off this morning. So, welcome. I hope this is just the start of a a journey that you'll do with us as we learn more about God, but learn more about ourselves as well. Let me just pray for us this morning that we'll be able to understand God's Word. Dear Father God, just thank you that we can be here. Thank you that When we gather together, you say you meet with us. When we pull out your word, the Bible, your spirit is with us. So Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be attentive with open ears this morning, to to really understand you, to understand ourselves and and to understand what you think of us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's funny how we all think of ourselves. We go through different stages, right, of how we think of ourselves. And what made me laugh is when... uh, Djokovic won the Australian Open just a couple of weeks ago and he talked about, um, well, he said this interesting quote. Now, see what you think he means by it. How does he understand himself? I should point out that when he won the Australian Open, he quickly put on his jacket with the number 22 written in silver. It's sort of half covered up there, saying that he's won now 22 Opens, which is very good. But he had to put the jacket on so everybody can see it. And he's sitting there in the press conference. And this is his quote. I don't like to compare myself to others, but if people want to say that I'm the greatest player who's ever played the game, I would be very humbled by that. It's like, I don't want to try to be cynical, but wow, it's like, read the room. I don't think anybody is saying he's the greatest player that's ever played. But you know, if you want to say that, it's like, it's not hard to see what he thinks of himself. And I don't know whether he'll go home and start to reflect on that and go, oh, that was actually a dumb thing to say, I shouldn't have said that. Because that's the sort of thing I do. I say lots of dumb things and I think, you know, just rattling off 
say things too quickly. You get home and you process what you said and you, because you're worried about what other people think of you, how you've measured up in their eyes. So, you know, go over the conversations and go, oh, man, that was dumb. They probably think I'm an idiot now because I said that, because I didn't mean it that way. I meant it the other way. And all of a sudden it goes from what do other people think of me, do I measure up to their expectations, to now it's what do I think of me? I don't even measure up to my own expectations. I'm disappointed in me. So then we go through this thing of how we think of each other, how we think of ourselves. So how are you thinking of yourself this morning? Are you thinking that you're uh, you're having a good morning, that you've come here, arrived early, you've sat beside somebody and they're talking to you and go, yep, I'm okay, I fit in here. This is my place. I feel comfortable here this morning. I'm going okay. That's great. I hope you're feeling that way. Or you're feeling like, oh man, we had a struggle to get here this morning. I've had to sit. Nobody's talking to me. Is there something wrong with me? I'm not sure whether I fit in here this morning. Uh, And we're hard on ourselves because we're having a bad morning. How we think of ourselves means a lot to us. Now, it's very natural to do that, I should say. It's very natural to think, what do other people think? What do I think of me? That process is not unusual. But if we push it too far, if we get it out of perspective, we lose control of it and it's not good. See, what we're going to see as we start off our series in 1 Corinthians is Paul says, look, I've got a lot of things to say to you because there's a lot, if you've read the letter of 1 Corinthians, there's a lot of hard things Paul's going to say to them. That's going to come later. But there's one thing I want to say to you right from the get-go, right from the start of the letter, so you can get things in perspective. It's not all hard news, but let's have this conversation right up the front, right early, to get the right perspective. Because the truth is, there is something special about you. He says that to the Corinthians. And for us here today, there is something special about you. And it's super important for us to know that before he gets to the hard stuff. That's the journey we're on this morning. What's so special about Paul? What's so special about the Corinthians? What's so special about us? So let's pull this apart a little bit. Paul starts his letter. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes. Now, on the one hand, that's the way people usually started letters. They introduced themselves. But there's a couple of things to notice. Paul refers to himself as an apostle. That is somebody who's personally sent by Jesus. Jesus met Paul on the road. Uh, So Paul, Paul was out persecuting the church. He was hunting down Christians, hated Jesus, hated anyone who followed Jesus, But Jesus appeared to him, Jesus was dead and buried, then rose again, ascended to heaven. But Jesus appeared to him in a vision that was so impactful, it blinded him for three days till he got cured. But then Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting my people, the church? And Paul then believed, he is the Lord. It is true, he did rise from the dead. So then he went around, instead of persecuting churches, he went around preaching in churches, telling people about Jesus truly Lord. So he was sent personally by Jesus. That's an apostle. 
There's lots of different understandings of apostles, but the biblical version of apostle is sent by Jesus. So it's the 12 disciples and the apostle Paul are apostles because they were sent by Jesus. But he was also, there's this phrase that he uses there, he was called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. This word called is a bit strange, we don't use that much today, but it's the idea he's chosen by God. By the will of God, he was handpicked. Now, did Paul deserve to be on God's team? Did he deserve to be one of the key missionaries in the first century? No, he was persecuting church, hated Jesus, taught against Jesus. But now, he was, God called him, come, follow me, go and tell. To be called is super, you can't do that yourself. The Apostle Paul had to be called by Jesus through the will of God, had to get that message from God. God had to choose him. You can't choose God. You can't self-appoint yourself to be an apostle. It's a bit like choosing your own nickname. You know, my name is Ross, but you can call me awesome. That's what I'm... Or the goat, greatest of all time. You can call me goat from now. You can't do that to yourself. You need to be appointed by other people your name, but it's like God, you can't make yourself an apostle, no matter how good you are, but God says, here, I'm calling you, I'm giving you this specific job, you're an apostle for me, you're going to be sent. Paul didn't deserve it, but God did it, by the will of God, he chose Paul. Now, you can read this and go, well, Paul thinks pretty highly of himself, doesn't he? But actually, Paul's written so much in his letters that we actually know what Paul thinks of himself. Let me give you a bit of a run-through. Throw out a few, a few different verses, verses from a few different sections. This is still in 1 Corinthians, but when he says to them, I came to you in weakness and fear. So he's writing after he's visited. He's actually visited two times before he's written this letter. When I came to you, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Like, he's not going, I've, I've got it together. He's not, I'm so self-confident, I'm scared of nothing. No, no, when he went to speak to them, he was scared in weakness, fear and trembling. He also says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. He talks a lot about his speaking. His main role is a teacher. He does this sort of stuff. He gets in front of crowds and he preaches. He teaches about Jesus. But he knows his preaching, you know, it's not that flash. It actually goes on more about that. In 2 Corinthians, his second letter, he says, although I'm not uh, a polished speaker, I certainly, uh, I am certainly not lacking in knowledge. So, you know, look, I know what I'm talking about, even though I can't say it very clearly. That's very much like me at the moment. Um, I'm not a polished speaker. So he knows himself his limitations. He doesn't think he's got it together but neither does other people. So he knows what other people think of him. He talks about that a couple of times too. When he talks about his mission team, the guys around him and himself, he says, we have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. He says, I know what everybody thinks of me. I'm their rubbish. I'd be thrown away. They don't, I'm not impressive at all. In fact, they want to get rid of me. Throw me in the tiff. And then he adds... Uh, because he's reflecting on his uh, 
his speech again, his persuasion. And he says, for some say, he says, this is the feedback I've got. His letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he's unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. <laughs> That's good feedback, isn't it? How would you imagine getting that on for your job description? Yeah, you talk up the big game, but actually pff, you're nothing. You don't live up to it. This is Paul's reflection on himself. This is how Paul sees himself. I'm not that great. And I know it. Actually, people keep telling me I'm not that great. He knows it. But in this tension, Paul being called to an apostle and this, I know my weaknesses. I think about how I fail all the time and I'm not that good at it. And other people tell me and they treat me like garbage. He holds this tension together with these words. I'm called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And he even reflects on this he explains this a bit more at the end of the letter chapter 15 verse 9 where he says for i am the least of the apostles because he wasn't one of the disciples he come along later and did not even deserve to be called an apostle because i persecuted the church of god but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace to me was not without effect it's not because Jesus put out the, the advert, who wants to be an apostle? Paul wrote up his resume and put it in. It was, no, no, Jesus said, I'm calling you. I'm choosing you by the will of God. You're going to be my apostle. You're going to be following me and I'm going to send you out. Only by the grace of God. Paul didn't deserve it, didn't earn it, didn't measure up. But despite that, God's grace on him made him who he is. I know I'm not perfect. People treat me like garbage. But you know what? God has made me something special. That's what he's saying. There's something about Paul and he's called by Jesus, called as an apostle. He doesn't say that about his other friend, Sosthenes. Sosthenes just, he's our brother. He's a part of the team. In fact, if you were here last week, you, we, we talked about some of the story when Paul went to Corinth and we heard about the Corinthian, the Jews in Corinth wanted to cancel Paul and cancel his message. And when they went before the judge, the judge is like, oh, forget it. I don't want any, any, any part of your business. And what did the crowds do? They turned on the Jewish, the leader of the synagogue. And who was the leader of the synagogue that got beaten up because of that? Sosthenes. He's now on Paul's team. That's why he gets mentioned here, because, hey, you know, you know him. He's, he's now working with me, and he sends his greeting. This is big. Paul, there's something about Paul, and it's because of the grace of God. He's called by God. But now, as we work through then, as he goes to talk about the Corinthians, you've got to remember, what's he going to say? Because he has every right to just right from the get-go, I'm going to lay the boot into them because they are a bunch of rat bags. We saw last week how uh, Corinth, this is first century Roman Empire, it was the Las Vegas of the Roman Empire. It was sin city on steroids. Because we know from historical stuff, archaeological stuff that we've found and writings from that day, we saw last week there are three things. It's, it's Corinth is where the action is for religion and sport. People went there for all that cultural stuff. It's also where people's dreams are made. So if people are fleeing poverty, you can go to Corinth and you might make it rich. Also fleeing persecution, you can go there and you won't be rejected. Corinth accepts everybody. 
It also has the saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's a port city. Lots of people went into Corinth. They lived the, the wildlife and they just moved on and went home. So there's, there's this culture of sex, drugs and rock and roll, you might say. That it's all happening there. And this is in Corinth. In fact, Paul's not that impressed with the church in Corinth. Later on, we're going to see... Uh, sorry... Later on, we're going to see verses like this. Brothers and sisters, I could not dress you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? It's like you're meant to be the church, but you're living just like everyone else. And he goes on to talk about their sex and their drunkenness and how they're fighting with each other. There's lots of things. He doesn't actually think they've got it together. But he still goes on to say there's something special about you. Because he goes on in verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. There's something special about you guys. He says, you are sanctified and holy. They're kind of nerdy religious words, sanctified and holy. But they're actually using words that talk about uh, what was going on in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, in Jerusalem, there was the big temple of God. It was gold and fine timber, and inside was all furnished with more gold and fine timber. Now, it was called sanctified and holy, which means it was set apart for God. You can't just go and have a party in the temple. Would it look cool? Would it look great lit up in lights? But it's not for common use. It's set apart for God, for God's purposes only. Some people here borrow tables and chairs and stuff to have their parties. For stuff in our church, you can do that because it's not holy. It's not set apart for God. It's just the chair you're sitting on, I hate to tell you, is not holy. It's just an ordinary chair because we use it for common use. Holy has been set apart for God. Actually, um, a modern-day term, uh, a modern-day equivalent might be uh, what we used to call Ayers Rock. Ayers Rock, you used to be able to camp around it, you used to be able to walk all over it, you used to be able to do whatever you want. It's a big, impressive rock. You want to be all over it. But over time, uh, we've realised the significance for the, the Indigenous people there for over hundreds, if not thousands, thousands of years, it's significant to them. So what did we do? We changed its name to Uluru. We said, no, no, we're not going to camp around it anymore and you know, do our stuff around it. We're not even going to walk on it anymore. It's sacred to them. So to them, it's set apart. It's not like any other rock. You can go and walk on lots of big rocks. You can go and visit it and camp around it, but not this one. This one's sacred. It's set apart. This is what Paul is saying when he says to the Corinthians, you are holy, you are sanctified, which means you are set apart for God, just like Uluru, set apart, it's special. You are that equivalent. You are special, he's telling them. You are set, you're not Corinth anymore. You live in Corinth, but you're no longer Corinthians anymore. You're set apart for God. You're different. You're chosen by him. So, they've been called by Jesus, sanctified, 
So just like Paul was called and chosen, the Corinthians have been called, same language, called by God. Not because we're good enough, not because they, they've done all these things to impress God with their fancy speaker knowledge. No, no, God, by God's will, chose them. He calls them, sanctifies them, makes them holy, sets them apart. This is significant. They live in Sin City, but they are God's holy people. They're different. They're chosen. This is made possible because of Jesus. Jesus is sprinkled throughout all these verses. You can't get away from Jesus. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Because it's only through Jesus that this happens. See, sometimes we think, oh, the short answer to, what did Jesus do on the cross? He died for my sin. So my sin has been dealt with, I've got a clean record. But what he actually does, with the language the Bible uses, is before we believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, we are in sin and in the world. That's where we are. It's like we're our position in, in the world. Then when Jesus dies on the cross, he says, I'm going to die for your sin. I'll take the penalty for that. So you're no longer in sin, but you are in Jesus. Jesus is holy and sanctified. He's set apart by God. He's God's son. So he moves us from in the world in sin. He moves us in Jesus, in holiness, in sanctification. Jesus has put us in a different place. So being called is only possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. He's actually changed us moved us and not just that for the people in corinth so you got a really cool line there just to to show that it's for people everywhere everywhere all people who call on the name of our lord jesus christ their lord and ours not just in the roman empire but all people throughout time us today if you call on the name jesus as your lord this is describing you you have this position as well you're no longer in sin in the world, you're in Jesus, sanctified, holy, set apart for God. But this only happens, let's, Paul just says, let's get this straight. It's from the grace of God. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father of, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I always th thank my God, Father, because of you, of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Corinthians You've done nothing flash to impress God to deserve it. In fact, I know you don't deserve it. But grace, grace is so significant. This is more than, you know, if my good outweighs the bad. If my good outweighs the bad, that must mean I'm okay. That's kind of more like a Buddhist, Eastern religion type thing. Or even if I, if I obey all the rules, if I at least make an attempt, I have the rules and I try and do all this stuff, then maybe I'll be good enough and that bit of grace, God will see I'm trying and get me over the line. Actually, that's a little bit more like Islam and even Catholic, that you have to obey all the rules to be good enough to deserve the grace. That's a quick summary. But that's not the grace the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've come from. If God calls you, he pours out his grace and pulls you into his kingdom. It doesn't matter how impressive you might look, how not impressive you might be. Grace 
It just abounds big. And grace for the Corinthians is amazing grace, as we'll see over the coming weeks, their story. But see, it's not all... um, It's not just all about them and their performance. It's about God and what He's done for them. See, this is a little bit like Paul the pastor... And he knows he's going to have to have some hard words. They know he's going to have to have some hard words with them. But he puts his arm over their shoulder and says, you know what, there is something special about you. You know, (laughs) like shaking. Paul's written to them. He's going to say some hard things. He says, you know what, there's some hard stuff I'm going to say to you. But the truth is, there's something about you you need to know. You're called, chosen sanctified, made holy. God's poured out his grace upon you and he's about to go on with some more things. He says because of... uh, It was because of him that... Oh, sorry, this is Paul explaining the grace poured out on the Corinthians. This is later in 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 the book. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom of God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Says something special about you. Jesus has poured out this amazing grace upon you. You can't boast in yourself, but you can boast in Jesus. He was the one who brought you in. But that's not all. Let me tell you, what else is special about you? Let's go on. For in him... For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day when our Lord Jesus... Well, on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Did you get all that stuff? It's kind of like what God has done for you, he's poured out his grace. Your past doesn't depend on you anymore. But what has he done for you now? He says, you might have all wisdom, you might have all knowledge, you might have all the spiritual gifts, thanks to God. It's not a credit to you. Look how good Christian you are. No, no. God gave you all this stuff. And it's not how you are now, too. It's in the future. How are you going to go in the future? Paul doesn't say, you know what? You've got all this stuff. I think you'll be right on that last day Jesus comes. I think you'll be good enough that he'll accept you. He doesn't say that at all because God, we depend so much on God. He says Jesus is even going to keep us firm on solid ground when the day he comes. He's talking about the day Jesus returns on judgment day to call his people home and to punish those who've rejected him. But you know what? He's kept you firm on that day. He's kept you blameless on that day. He has done all these things even into the future. How does Paul know this? Because Paul says, I know how God works and I know God is faithful. I know he's faithful. Even to us who make a mess of our lives. Even for us who think we stuff up all the time. Even for us who the world thinks nothing of us, thinks we're rubbish. There's something special about us. God has called us, sanctified us, made us holy and called us in. And our God is faithful. He will hold you to the end. 
You don't have to fear that last day. Paul makes it firm and strong. There's no question. He's very clear in these first nine verses. The rest is going to be, hang on to your seats, it's a wild ride. But at this point, Paul says, there's something you need to know. The truth is, there is something special about you through Jesus. So if Paul come up to us, Apostle Paul walks into the room, puts his arm around your shoulder, what's he going to say? He's going to say, you know what, there's something special about you. There's something special about you. If you've called on the name of Jesus, that's a sign that God has called you. He has chosen you, handpicked you. He has sanctified you. He's made you holy. You're not like the world anymore. You're chosen for God. You've got firm footing because we're trusting Jesus. We're not trusting ourselves. We're trusting Jesus. And our faith is sure. But you know why we need to hear that truth? Because it is the truth. Paul's saying, this is the truth. Let's be clear. Why do we need to hear it? It's because sometimes we listen to lies. We listen to lies that are going on around us. The Bible talks about Satan as the key liar. Satan is described in two different ways. He's the accuser and he's the deceiver. And what Satan does, he accuses us of stuff. Like, you're not good enough. You're only here, you're faking it. You don't deserve to be here. I know what you've done this week. You, you're a fraud. And just, you're fooling everybody else, but you're not fooling God. You don't even deserve to be here. Now, it mightn't be an audible voice. I don't know what Satan's voice sounds like. But we kind of get that voice inside of us that goes, yeah, actually, I'm looking around here this morning, and yeah, I don't measure up. I feel like a fake, a fraud. I feel like I don't deserve to be here. Everybody else has got their stuff together, but for me, I fall way short. Why would God be interested in me? We start believing the lie. When we think of ourselves and we start realising we dig ourselves in a hole, and this is a bad place to be. Because when we believe the lie, it's like, I don't measure up. Religion says I should be up here and I should be up here. I know I'm not up here. But every time I stuff up, I get like bricks loaded on my back and it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And I know that I shouldn't be here. I'm weighed down by the burden. It's a bad place to be. But the truth is, it's not about who I think I am. It's not about how I'm feeling like that. It's about who I put my trust in. And who I put my trust in is sure and true and faithful in Jesus. It's because of Jesus, I'm good enough. Because of Jesus, I'll be there on that last day standing on the firm ground. All because of Jesus. All because you don't believe the lie. Paul says, you've been called by, God has handpicked you. Trust him. That's when Satan has this accusing voice. What about when Satan has the deceiving voice? When Satan gets into your head and says, you know what? You're awesome. You're fantastic. You've got your stuff together. You're looking around here today and going, man, I've, I'm doing so well. God's pleased that I'm here today. I'm looking around and everybody else needs to be here because they haven't got their act together. But for me... 
Call me awesome. Call me the goat. Give yourself the nickname because I've got it together. That's how we feel. And if we believe the lie, it's also a bad place to be. Because when we believe the lie, then we start thinking to ourselves, you know, there's something special about me. Yeah, I know it. When people look at me, they see I'm sanctified and holy. (laughs) Too right. I've shown that I know stuff and I say stuff and I'm good at all the spiritual gifts. I've got no worries when Jesus comes because it's obvious why Jesus chose me. That's believing the lie. It's believing the lie. It's cutting out grace. See, the truth is, Jesus has chosen you despite of you, despite of your arrogance, despite your pride, despite of your self-centeredness. Jesus still chooses you. But you've got to get over yourself. You've got to take pride, like Paul said. Take pride in Jesus. What Jesus has done for me, it's not me doing it, but man, Jesus has laid down his life for me. Jesus has poured out his love for me. Jesus has presented me perfect, clean and blameless. How good is Jesus? That's where we have our pride. Don't believe the lie about how awesome you are and how deserving you are because only by grace that any of us are here. So Satan can be the accuser, saying you're not good enough. He can be the deceiver, saying you're awesome. Or there's a third position, where one day you're full of doubt. I'm not good enough. I'm just faking it. And the next day, you can be full of pride. I've got it so together. This is all good. God's pleased with me. Because I think I'm more in the middle. I flip-flop think about what other people say to me, I think about what people think of me, then what I think about myself, and we're often the hardest judges on ourselves. And you go, how am I going? My feelings change all the time, and I hope I'm not the only one that feels this, but the only one going through this journey, but I feel like our feelings change all the time, but you know what doesn't change? The truth of Jesus. God doesn't change. When God says he's chosen you, saved you, called you out of the world, that doesn't change doesn't matter about how you are feeling about yourself what matters is what God thinks of you and Paul's made it very clear what God thinks of you that he loves you so much that he's chosen you we need to call on the name of Jesus and embrace that to know his love for us to know that I'm okay that he has called somebody like me that he has accepted somebody like me He's made me and set me apart wholly, that I'm no longer a part of this world. I'm part of his world, his child, all thanks to Jesus. That's who we are. That's that's what the truth is. Don't believe the lies otherwise. When we call on the name Jesus, we're going to sing a song at the end now that focuses our attention on Jesus and calls on his name. But let me pray now that we will feel the safety and security and the good news of that message. Let me pray. Dear Father God, just thank you. Thank you that it's not left up to us to prove ourselves worthy. Because, Lord, we know deep down that we're either failures, that we stuff things up all the time, we don't follow your ways, we pursue worldly things, or we're so full of of pride and arrogance that we don't think we need the cross, we don't think we need Jesus or even grace. Lord, we thank you for your grace that it covers a multitude of sins. Thank you for your love for us, your calling on our lives. Lord, help us. Help us to realise 
It's not about us and our feelings. But when we call on the name of Jesus, the truth is there is something special about us because of you. Lord, help us not to be deceived by the world and go down its paths, but to trust you and to know you, that we're safe and secure, we're loved and accepted because of Jesus. Amen.